This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello and welcome to The Bunker, your need to know on news and politics seven days a week. I'm Ros Taylor. Germany is moving to the right and the far right too. In elections in the states of Hesse on Sunday, the far-right alternative for Deutschland Party came second, and in Bavaria, it came third. Das zeigt auch deutlich, die AfD ist kein Ostphänomen mehr, sondern eine gesamtdeutsche Volkspartei geworden. That was Alice Weidel, the leader of the AfD in the Bundestag, Germany's parliament, saying that the AfD is no longer just an East German phenomenon, but a pan-German people's party. She said it was undemocratic for other parties to refuse to work with the AFD, as they have so far done. With me to talk about what's happening in Germany is Guy Chazan, the FT's chief Germany correspondent. Welcome to the bunker, Guy. Hi. There's been uproar in Germany recently about a plan to force people to install heat pumps. It was championed by the green element of the ruling coalition. Is that at the root of this vote or is there more to it? Well, it's definitely a contributory factor. Um, people are very upset about this law, although actually um, it's been considerably softened uh, over the last few months. Um, and it, in fact, it's not really going to force anyone to do anything. There's a lot of opt-outs. It's a very sort of soft transition. But essentially, the idea is to kind of phase out oil and gas-fired boilers and replace them uh, with heat pumps. Uh, but over a, a very long transition period. And um, uh, it's it's certainly not as aggressive uh, as it was in earlier forms. But but that has um, had an effect. Yeah, definitely. The AFD has been campaigning uh, on that law, uh, or rather against that law. I've spoken to a lot of people, uh, you know, ordinary Germans who say they're voting AFD because of that law. So it, it, it definitely is a factor uh, in the AFD's uh, recent surge of popularity. So the AFD doesn't want compulsory heat pumps, but what is its policy platform? What do they want? Well, I think the, the key thing is they want to uh, sort of limit immigration. They have a lot of other platforms, such as sort of they're against sort of increasing centralization of power in, in Europe. They oppose the idea of turning the EU into more of a centralized uh, sort of organization. Um, they want to reactivate Germany's nuclear power stations, which the, um, the current government has shut down. Um, they actually have a broad swathe of policies. Um, they're very skeptical, for example, on the Ukraine war. They want uh, much more of an effort to solve the, the war by diplomacy. They're against the sort of uh, the big weapons deliveries that the Scholz government has undertaken. Uh, so they're very much in opposition to almost everything that the current government is doing. And that message does seem to resonate with uh, German voters. Tell us a bit about the history of the AFD, because it's changed quite a lot over the years since it was founded, hasn't it? Yes, uh, it's very much changed. I mean, it's actually an interesting case, really, because elsewhere in Europe, you have these far-right populist parties uh, that started off as fringe movements, but became increasingly popular and increasingly powerful. 
And in the process, they kind of moderated themselves. So, for example, the Front National in, in France, as it used to be known, under Marine Le Pen, kind of expended huge energies in, in trying to detoxify its image uh, with voters, uh, especially shedding any hint of anti-Semitism. Whereas with the AFD, the opposite has happened. It started off uh, 10 years ago uh, as a Eurosceptic organization set up by a bunch of economic professors who were against the Eurozone bailouts. But um, in the intervening years, it's uh, morphed into a very nationalist, xenophobic, quite sort of ethnocentric party, which is fiercely opposed to immigration and, and uses often rhetoric, which... which um, we have in the past only really heard from extreme right-wing groups in Germany. Since about 2020, we've seen a gradual rise in their popularity. And really, in the last sort of eight months or so, uh, they're just on fire. I mean, they're now uh, polling nationally at about 22%, which is kind of extraordinary, considering that they were only on about 10% uh, for many years in, in the late 2010s. Who are the leaders of the AFD? We heard earlier from Alice Weidel, uh, one of them, but who are the others? Well, there's two leaders, Alice Weidel, uh, who's from uh, southwestern Germany, and Tina Chrupala, who is from the east. He's from a town called Görlitz, which is on the uh, German-Polish border. Um, he's not particularly extreme, I would say, neither is Alice Weidel, although Alice Weidel, um, I mean, I've, I've kind of been watching her for years. And it's actually very interesting how she started off as she, she's uh, openly lesbian, uh, lives in the same sex relationship. They, they have two children. Uh, they live in Switzerland, actually. Um, and initially, she was seen as uh, sort of being on the liberal wing of the AFD. But over the years, uh, she's progressively radicalized. And now well, she represents in a way the, 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 the mainstream of the party, which is quite right-wing radical. Uh, and Hrupala, I would say, is the same. The Eastern AFD leaders generally are more nationalistic, um, more hardline, and, and he's typical of that. I mean, it's just, it's just an extraordinary story, the AFD, really, because they've always had these sort of internal conflicts between the relative moderates and the relative hardliners, and the relative moderates have always been expelled from the party. Um, people who tried to steer it in a more moderate direction, they've always ended up, ended up losing the fight and, and leaving the AFD. We've seen that time and time again. And Alitza Weidel, in a way, is, the, is an interesting case because she's the only one who really didn't do that. Uh, instead of throwing in the towel and leaving. She's actually adapted herself to the more sort of radical tendency in the party. She's more or less unchallenged at the moment. And Elitza Weidel said in the clip we heard that it was no longer an East German phenomenon, the AFD, that it was all across Germany, West Germany too, as we've seen in these election results. That's a big change, isn't it? It's an enormous change, um, and I think that that's the thing that is worrying people most, uh, because the AFD was long dismissed as a sort of regional party. Um, Western Germans tend to look down on East Germany. They see it um, as a place which still has this legacy of um, years of communist dictatorship. The people uh, are not really democratic. They don't really understand democratic uh, political culture, and that's why they keep voting for um, parties outside the democratic spectrum uh, like the AFD. 
And now what's happened is that that cliche has now been uh, abandoned, really, because because they did so well in West Germany. They they got 14.6% in Bavaria, and they got 18.4% in Hesse. Uh, that's five points more than 2018, and it's their best result ever in, in a West German state. And it really is an extraordinary new development, really, because what we're seeing, for example, is that um, a lot of first-time voters uh, say they're voting AFD, which uh, also is surprising a lot of people. Pollsters had this image of the AFD as generally being a party for uh, elderly people or people in in sort of downtrodden areas. But in fact, that's not true. Um, Hesse and Bavaria, extremely affluent, highly industrialized states. Um, You know, Hesse is home to Frankfurt, which is Germany's financial center. So, there's clearly something afoot here. Um, uh, these are these are bourgeois voters. The other thing that's quite interesting is that according to exit polls, 38% of people in Hesse who, who voted for the AFD did so out of conviction, which is an interesting statistic, 47% in Bavaria. That shows that this image of the AFD as being just a protest party, that people just want to, to vote for it in order to send a message to Berlin, that is changing now. And actually people are voting for the party because they just like the party. That's also a big shift, I think. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Germany, of course, has been instinctively wary of the far right for reasons we all know. So there must be a lot of disquiet in the country about the success of the AFD. Yes, I think there is. I think um, people, especially uh, people in the big urban centres like um, Berlin and Munich and Hamburg and, and Stuttgart and so on, I think they're sort of horrified at these results. Um, but I think it just represents a groundswell of opinion which is very fiercely uh, conservative and it's opposed to the kind of climate policies that are now being pushed through by um, the Greens in association with the Social Democrats and the Liberals in Olaf Scholz's coalition. Uh, I think there is a lot of opposition to these policies, such as the, the the law to phase out gas boilers. And I think what's happening is that people are expressing their protest or expressing their sort of opposition to these laws by voting for the AFD rather than voting for the CDU, the, Christ- the Christian Democratic Union, the, the, the main uh, mainstream conservative party. I think that's something we are going to have to look into in, in the coming weeks and months. Um, but I think possibly one of the main reasons is, is just immigration. I think um, Germans across the spectrum, across the political spectrum, are really, really spooked by the refugee numbers. Um, they're reaching a level which we haven't seen since the crisis of 2015-16. Um, and I think that is really one of the main factors uh, at play here. And the CDU is, of course, Angela Merkel's party and presumably is associated, therefore, with that wave of migration. Well, yes and no. Um, You're right in a sense that she did preside over that crisis in 2015-16. 
Um, and she was very much in favour of letting in as many asylum seekers as Germany could have, could absorb, really. But she is now, she's exited the political stage. She, she retired in 2021. Uh, she's been replaced by a much more conservative figure, Friedrich Merz, um, who has been railing against asylum seekers for several years now. And um, it doesn't seem to really have, have had much effect in the sense that he always said that he was going to steal uh, votes from the AFD, but it's not working. When you want to make a point that you're opposed to immigration, um, you won't go for the mainstream Conservative Party, you'll go for the AFD. What is their plan? Do they have one? Well, essentially, it's closing the borders. And it's also a a more tough attitude to uh, people who have been denied asylum. That's, That's part of it. And also, one of the things that they always talk about is that they want to replace cash benefits with uh, benefits in kind, like tokens. So one of the things they always go on about is that um, refugees are sending money home, they're um, sort of sucking money out of the, of the the German welfare system. So they want to they want to crack down on that as well. But um, I mean, it kind of gets to a rather absurd level. For example, I covered one election in a small town in East Germany called Sonneberg, which was where where they won their first election to the head of um, the district council, which was a, a very, very important event, um, a turning point, I'd say, in the development of the AFD. That was just uh, earlier this year. And it was kind of ridiculous because everywhere there were posters for the AFD saying, you know, I'm going to close the borders, which was patently absurd because this guy really only has um, responsibility for, you know, building schools and maybe, you know, occasionally doing roadworks and that kind of thing. He has absolutely no authority to close the borders. And the people know that they're not stupid. But again, you know, they, they want to send a message that these issues matter to them. The German economy is faltering at the moment. The Economist asked whether the country was the sick man of Europe a few weeks ago. What's going wrong on that level? Well, I think they've been hit very, very hard, possibly more than any other country in Europe by the energy crisis uh, that resulted um, from Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Um, That's really hurt German industry. And German industry makes up a larger proportion of the country's GDP than uh, most other countries in Europe. Um, so, you know, when when industry suffers, the whole of the country suffers, the whole economy. Um, there's high inflation, which is also a problem. Uh, supply chains are also still a little bit shaky, even, you know, way after the end of the, the COVID pandemic. High interest rates uh, to deal with uh, inflation have also really beset um, German companies. The, the construction industry is virtually at a standstill, largely because of higher interest rates. Um, so across the board, you know, things are not looking very pretty. And um, I think generally the, the, the problem also is that, you know, Germany is an export nation. It's very, very reliant on exports. And many of its export markets are weak at the moment. For example, China. Uh, China's re- recovery has has disappointed a lot of people. Um, and that has really caused problems for German companies too. So across the board, really, there are problems. You know, that is also creating a certain mood in the German electorate where they just sort of feel like the country is maybe going in the wrong direction or isn't, isn't um, you know, it has a government which isn't really addressing these issues head on.
There is another political phenomenon going on in Germany. It's actually on the left around Sarah Wagenacht, who's in Die Linke, the Socialist Party, but whose bosses want to get rid of her. And she argues that the left has become too caught up in what Suella Bravman in Britain would call luxury beliefs and woke and needs to embrace the working classes again. Some people hope that she could step forward and take back voters from the AFD. What's your perspective on on Wagenknecht? I think with Wagenknecht, she's a very disruptive, um, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being a disruptive politician, but I mean, I think one of the most troubling aspects of her uh, her policies is um, her opposition to uh, German support for Ukraine. And I think, you know, that is creating deep divisions in a way in, in, in German society. I mean, you could see it another way. I mean, I think there are a lot of people who are opposed to the government's policies towards Ukraine, and she represents them. But I think in a way, she also kind of fuels that um, those divisions. I see her very much as a populist. The problem about this, uh, her plans, I think, is it, it could end up just being a kind of vehicle for one person. She's uh, She's got a bit of support. She has some politicians who support her who might peel off from Die Linke and possibly other parties too. And she is popular. She's definitely popular among a certain percentage of the electorate. But I'm not really convinced that she will peel off voters from the AFD because I think that the AFD now is so established. This is the thing that um, people seem to ignore a lot, is that it is very established really now, you know, throughout the country in every single one of the 16 federal states. In a way, I think it might already be too late um, to create a party that is a real rival to the AFD. Is the taboo on working with the AFD, doing deals with the AFD, going to hold? Well, I think it's very wobbly in certain places, um, especially in eastern Germany. Um, there are some states where the AFD is now polling at uh, above 30%. I think in, in Thuringia, it's almost at 34%. And um, it's going to be extremely difficult to form workable coalitions without the AFD when they're polling so high. And, you know, we're seeing these sort of very weird anyone but the AFD uh, coalitions being formed that sort of cobbled together in places like Thuringia. And um, they don't have a very long uh, shelf life. I mean, you know, there's a lot of internal contradictions and internal tensions, which make them really not that workable. I mean, long term, I would say that um, if the AFD continues on its current trajectory, then it's almost inevitable that they will come into government in states like Thuringia. Uh, in the future, um, possibly in coalitions with the CDU, the, the mainstream Conservative Party. Guy, that was fascinating. Thanks so much for joining us. Not at all. Thank you. And you can support The Bunker by searching Patreon Bunker Podcast and contributing just £3 a month. I'm Ros Taylor, and thanks for listening. The Bunker is presented by Ros Taylor. The producer is Liam Tate. Audio production is from me, Robin Lieburn, our music's by Kenny Dickens, and assistant production by Adam Wright. Managing editor is Jacob Jarvis, group editor Andrew Harrison, and The Bunker is a Podmasters production. <laughs>